Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche School podcast. The podcast, uh, well, we chat about all things Porsche, but today we're talking to an owner. We're talking owner's stories again. It's Tuesday. It's the owner's stories episode. Today I have another Australian coming in. Yes, it's been a little bit of, uh, I've had quite a few Australians lately, my, my home country, my hometown, which I'll be heading back to very shortly. Um, so I've got Matt coming in this morning. I'm running late. He's actually online now and I've just got to quickly uh, connect to Zoom and start getting it organized. But a little introduction before we come, before I get him uh, online through Zoom. Uh, Matt's from Victoria in Australia. He's got a really good Porsche story. You would have seen what he owns in the uh, title. It's a special one though. It's got a little bit of a special uh special option on it, which we're going to chat about. Uh, Matt's got a few other cars, which I'm interested to know about. And I'm also interested to know about his um, other cars, how he got into Porsche and how his car journey evolved over the years. Anyway, enough talking from me. Let's get Matt on the line from Australia, from Victoria, and start talking about his Porsche cooled owner story. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Like I said, number 47, another Australian joining me today. I have Matt here already. We're connected by Zoom. Um, welcome, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Matt's coming in from Victoria in Australia. How are you this morning? Good, buddy. How are you going? I'm very well. I should say, how are you this evening? Because it's evening in Australia. Uh, we're doing this. I'm recording this uh, first thing in the morning, well, or first thing in the morning for me anyway, uh, in London. And Matt is in Victoria, evening. Um, thanks for coming on. I know you reached out to me quite a while ago, I think, wasn't it? You reached out to me quite a while ago. I've been following your Instagram. Um, and I think your car, I think the 911 that you have, and, and the listeners will, will already know what that is from the title. But I think it's an interesting one. And I know it's your first 911. So we'll get into that shortly. But as you know, Matt, <clears throat> we always like to start owner stories. Um, to get you into the swing of things, we always like to start it with where it all started um, with Porsche. And, you know, I've had a few owners on the last few um, episodes who haven't really been into Porsche when they were a kid or really took much notice of it. It sort of happened later in life. So where did it start for you? Was it something that you noticed when you were growing up? Were there neighbors or relatives or friends that owned Porsches? Or was it something that you started noticing a little bit later on your car journey? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, um, yeah, it definitely started at a young age for me. Um, yeah, some family friends. Um, yeah, actually, you'd remember uh, the band out of the 70s, um, Skyhooks? Yes, I do. Yeah, so Cheryl Strawn, um, yeah, the lead singer of Skyhooks, was a yeah close family friend and we used to spend time with him um, in like the mid eighties when we we're on school holidays. And yeah, I remember he'd got a, yeah, obviously was like a 83, 84 model, um, nine eleven. I didn't know exactly the model then, but yeah, it was just a Carrera, I guess. Um, but yeah, I remember, yeah, remember my parents would be like, Oh, there's the Porsche. And it, yeah, just this big, all this attention around this car. And pretty much from that, that moment on, yeah, I was just always, yeah, always wanted a Porsche when I got older at some point in my life. Okay. Just so the uh, international listeners know, Shelley Strawn was, Skyhooks was quite a big band in the 70s. I mean, he's passed away now, but it was quite a big band in the 70s in Australia. Um, I guess it's rock band, isn't it? Pop, pop rock, wasn't yeah. it? I don't know. I think that's yeah, what you absolutely. would call it. Yeah. Okay, so but that's yeah, a good... T- I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, at the time, I mean, yeah, it was a big deal to have a 911. Um, yeah, in the early 80s, I mean, um, yeah, and so I guess just the attention drawn to the car and it was a beautiful car I still do remember it and 
yeah, from that moment on, it was it was just always yeah, Porsche, Porsche. So did you keep Matt? Did you keep noticing them after that though? I mean, were you young then? Were you you're a kid then, right? So you, you yeah, started. But look, I, yeah, I reckon I was probably maybe five or six. So I was super young. Yep. Um, but I mean, growing up, definitely always a car guy. Um, and you love, you always love like Ferraris and Lamborghinis. You love the exotic stuff. But I guess the, the draw card to a Porsche, it was always that understated sports car. You know what I mean? It had style, but it wasn't super flamboyant or over the top. Um, yeah, I yeah, usable, usable and understated. Were you one of those guys? I mean, I wasn't. Were you one of those guys that had one of those kids that had the posters on the wall? I mean, I, I, I wasn't either, but no, I no. wasn't either. But obviously, you knew, yeah, granted, you had matchbox cars and you had your Ferraris and your Lambos and stuff like that. And um, yeah, as a young kid with a passion for cars and whatnot, you're always, yeah, you would always see the, yeah, your Ferraris and yeah. whatnot, the Testarossas and all that sort of stuff. And, um, but yeah, the Porsche. I agree, though. I think for me, it was the same, Matt. It was like matchbox cars were the thing that sort of got me into cars. You know what I mean? Because I used Absolutely to get one not. every week. It was almost like every <laughs> week I'd get a matchbox car. It was like a treat or every couple of weeks. And that's how you learned the different brands. And that's how you learned the different shapes. And there'd be, you know, Porsches or there'd be, you know, American cars or whatever. And that's kind of how you became familiar with different car brands. Well, that's how I became familiar anyway. Absolutely, but Absolutely. Um but yeah, I guess, I mean, as as you know, I mean, Porsche is just such a, an interesting brand and, um, yeah, it's just always been there, the desire to have one and just the love for that brand. I mean, obviously we'll get into it later, but, I mean, it is funny. The 911 that I bought is only the second 911 that I've ever been in and, okay. I, and, the, fir- and the first 911 that I've ever driven. <laughs> okay, well, that's good, that's good. Let's get into that car <laughs> journey. So, you know, we don't always start at the top end, we, we make our way up. Um, you know, we have the passion, but we make our way up through different, different models, different cars. Um, when you started to learn to drive, when you got your license, what was the, what was the first memorable car that, that you owned that you still remember today and, and maybe even wish you never got rid of it? Was there a car like that? It is funny, but it's a funny story. I mean, I wouldn't say that I had any memorable, memorable cars. Like my first car um, was a 75 model Mazda 929. So not a not a super exotic sort of car. Look, I bought it. Well, my parents bought it for me for seven hundred bucks. Um, okay. And she was pretty much what you would call a shitter. Like, yeah, it was full <laughs> of rust, burnt, burnt a shit ton of oil. Like, um, right. But it was funny at that time in in seventy five. Like Mazda shared, yeah, the RX four which had the rotary, um, and the nine two nine had the piston engine. So they were essentially the same car. The the nine two nine actually had rotary badges on it um right and i had some mates that were yeah that, that were right into rotaries and stuff and yeah look it was my first car and i loved it and mate i had the thing for at least at least 10 at least 10 years and oh, okay spent a fortune on it stripped it down resprayed had the engine um you know i had the the two liter built up like balance blueprinted um yeah twin 45 webbers and all that sort of thing okay. and um so is yeah, that a regret? Is that a regret getting rid of that car or there's no regrets there? But it, it's, a, it's an absolute regret now because, mate, I sold it for like five grand. And <laughs> I those was going to say worth, prices, yeah, prices. Dude, I could probably get, I could probably get like <laughs> 25 grand for the fucking thing. <laughs> you know, I was, I was talking to Steve uh, for this week's episode um, 
I mean, we're obviously recording this one in advance, but I was talking to Steve. We recorded Friday's episode uh, yesterday. And yeah. um, I saw on Bring a Trailer in the US, there was a 93 Supra that sold. And I think someone yeah. posted it, someone that I follow on Porsche Cool, one of the Porsche uh, uh, pages. And it sold for 200,000 US dollars for a 93 Supra, which is just like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like when you remember what those cars were and you think it's just crazy, the price of Japanese. You know, everyone complains about the prices that Porsches have got to, but then the prices of Japanese cars are but just I think it's, as insane. It, it is, but I think we're in, we're in such a bizarre transitional period where, I mean, I'm not, like I respect and I like Japanese cars. And look, one of those, what's that's like a Mark IV Supra, I think, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Possibly, yeah. Out of all, out of all the the Supras or the Japanese, I'd love a stock standard Supra. Um, but yeah, that style of car is never going to be made again. And no. I think that's I think that's what we're sort of seeing. Like those true performance drivers cars. If you want them, you go, I mean, dude, a, a Series Six or a Series Seven RX Seven, I would love. Mate, yes. they're just through the roof these days. Yeah, they've gone very crazy. All right, so you had the Mazda. You had the Mazda. What comes next? What what is the car? Is it is it the cars you own now, or is there something in between that you? No, that no. You... So after well, during the period that I, that I owned the Mazda, I, I sort of started my own business, and I was running a recording studio, um, doing audio production, producing bands and whatnot. And um, yeah, so during that period, I sold the Mazda to invest into the business to buy more equipment and whatnot. And yeah, then just sort of I yeah bought my bought my first house and whatnot and. Yeah, was super keen to um, yeah to get back into some kind of performance sort of car and whatnot, and um, yeah, got turned on to uh, Renault Sport and like the okay. little Clio's, the one the one seven twos and the one eight twos. Yep. And yeah, went and test drove a couple of those, and yeah, yeah, fell in love with a a little Clio one eight two Cup, um, which was a freaking awesome car. I do regret selling that for sure. Um, but I had that. Oh, I probably had that for only twelve months, and then I, I bought a, um, sold that, and bought a, a Clio um, R twenty seven, which was like a limited. It was based on a one nine seven, but um, okay. yeah, they bought like fifty of them into the country, and this thing only had eight thousand k's on it. And yeah, so I really fell for Renault Sport for the brand. And um, but so look, when did you? I, wait, sorry, Matt. When did you buy your first one? How long ago was that? I'd probably say eight. 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know much about Renault, the Renault sort of brand as such. Um, I know the cups. I always see them and I used to see them in Sydney and I always thought they looked really cool. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're a really cool car. They were, a little bit, they were more expensive than the other ones, but they always had a nice, you know, driver's feel about them. They're a good driver's car, aren't they? They're a, they're a fun car. For they're sure. A fast but car. But they're, they're, they're awesome in the respect that um, I guess a super underrated brand, particularly in Australia. Like yes. you say Renault to most people and instantly they're like unreliability, cheap, shitty plastic interiors. But, yeah, I've owned like four of them and yes. they're rock solid. Um, you can drive the ass out of them all day and, yeah, never had a problem with any of them. But it's not about the interior though, is it? I mean, maybe there are some cheap plastics in them. I mean, obviously the cups and the and the top of the line ones are better, but it's more about the engineering. It's more about the engine, isn't it? It's more about the feel Absolutely. of the car. And that's what it's about with those. Yeah, and 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 bang for buck, those things, you just can't beat them. 
Um, yeah, I just want to go back for a second because, you know, I just want to tell the listeners that I've done a lot of these owner stories now. This is number 47. And I want to say out of everyone that's been on the owner stories, Matt has the, the more professional setup than anyone else I've had <laughs> on owner stories. Because he's got, the, it looks like a Shaw microphone, which... It is. It's an SM7, my friend. The, I'm, which, I'm, which I'm lusting after, which I still haven't bit the bullet on. And he's got a boom arm. So I just wanted to throw that in because I'm, I'm impressed by your setup there, Matt. And your sound sounds very good as well. Mate, um, I would be... Yeah, I have... Um, yeah, like I said, I have ran a recording studio for 14 years and I have plenty of uh, bits and pieces still kicking around. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, okay, so you're into the Renaults, you know, like let's – so you bought a few of those. Let's let's jump forward. When did you – so you've got a couple of Renaults now, so let's talk about those before we get into the Porsche. Um, which one came – so what do you have now? You have two Renaults and which one, which one came first? Yeah, so I've got a um, – yeah, so just a little back step. So I had the the R27, which was a 2010 model, and I only had that for probably just over 12 months again because obviously, um, yeah, family things happen. Um, yeah, we got pregnant with our first child and and I just didn't drive it. And it was, man, I had it in, it was really tragic. I had it, the thing cost me like 32 grand, right? which was a lot of money for me at the time. And um, yeah, I had it in the driveway in one of those Bunnings tents, you know, those shitty bloody yes, Bunnings yes. carports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, dude, on windy days, I would just be <laughs> freaking out, like thinking, man, this thing's going to collapse on the car. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't the right time for me to have a car that, yeah, that cost that money and I just wasn't using yes. it and I had nowhere to store it. So ended up selling that. We had to get a family car. Uh, we bought a little Volvo V50 um, wagon, a little T5, which okay. was freaking awesome because they had – they the first generation Ford Focus um, with the five cylinder, the two and a half liter five cylinder, that was yeah. actually a Volvo engine out of um, out of those V50s. Um, oh, okay, I didn't. And know that. that was a that was a six speed manual, so that was a great car. But so in that time, we obviously got the family car, uh, had the first child, then had a second child, and four years ago we moved uh, out of Melbourne up to Mansfield, where we are now in northeast Victoria. Um, and so we sort of settled in here and, yeah, within the first sort of 12 months, just that itch again. I'm like, dude, I need, I need another car in my life, like a car that I love that I can wash on the weekends, go for drives. Um, but you didn't completely move out of a, a driver's car because that Volvo still was quite a good car, wasn't it? I mean, even though yeah. it was a family-orientated car, it still was more performance than just getting something super basic. So you didn't want totally to give it up. And I you didn't want to give it up completely, did you? I guess that it's the true trait of any passionate car guy. When you get the option to, to buy a car and you're searching for a car, you're always trying to spec the most performance variant of a practical model. And it was funny when I sold the Clio and we got the Volvo. Yeah. Yeah. I put like, um, yeah, Bilstein suspension in it and, um, yeah, got a stage one tune on it. It was, um, it was a great car, man. I had many, many traffic light, moments with dudes in like ss commodores and stuff and you could see and they're like why the fuck is there a volvo station <laughs> yeah. wagon still next to me <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny all right so you moved to northeast victoria is that snow country is it snow up there it is but on our property here we get snow probably four times a year but yeah we look up to mount Buller. so yeah, most mornings nice. you wake up and yeah beautiful snow beautiful peaks. spot it's a, it's yeah a, yeah but so yeah we move up here and yeah, I was just hankering for another car that I could sort of get into and love. And 
Mate, the little Clio's were going cheap at the time and I bought that thing sight unseen. Yeah, the 172, it's a 2010. It had 150,000 Ks on the clock, which was sort of higher than I uh, liked. But, I mean, if they're they're well-serviced, they should be fine. Um, Right. And, yeah, I did as much sort of background check, checking like rang – rang previous mechanics that had serviced the car and, and spoke to them and, and got as much history on the car because I bought it sight unseen. I flew to Sydney and picked it up. But, man, I got it for like seven and a half grand. Wow, um, that's good. Do you still have this car now? This one you don't I, have, right? This one's No, gone. I do. For, oh, you do? No, I do. So from that point on, I was like, any cars that I get, I'm yeah, not in the business of selling, selling any cars from here on. Okay. So you have that one. Is that the that's the smaller one? Is it? That's the it's one. A little silver one. So they're they're a two uh, liter. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, a little two liter, naturally aspirated. Um, yeah, it's so it's got a stay. It's got a stage one tune on it, which being naturally aspirated, you don't get massive gains. But it's got a cat back exhaust right. on it uh, and a an intake. Um, but the thing hauls. It's a that little car never ceases to amaze me. at just how. Yeah, but it sounds amazing. Yeah, and just how much fun it is to drive and, um, like, they're only sort of 200 horsepower, but it's only a small car. Um, yeah, not very, not very heavy. So no. you're into the driving cars. You've, got the, you've had the Renaults. You've got another Renault. Um, and then when does – what comes next? You get a second one, do you? Yeah, so in the middle, um, it was crazy. The first lockdown we had, um, you know what it's like. You're always on car sales, yeah? You- <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> always on car sales and – I've always loved the 250, yeah, the 250 cups. The it's like the Gen Three um, Megane, yeah. and I think I know that one. That's one of my favourites, actually. That's the one I was that, always remember noticing. That was that's a really nice shape, and they're just they're amazing cars. I mean, but I think that whole fear of never being able to get these cars again, yeah, sort of sort of starts to come in. You're sort of like, well, Renault's going all electric. They've literally dropped the Renault Sport marquee like it's alpine now um yes and that car that two liter turbocharged six-speed manual with the cup chassis you're never going to get it again yeah um yeah and found this one at a dealership one owner only had sixty thousand k's on it and man i got it for like 16 grand um once again that's very cheap because what they weren't they in the fifty thousand absolutely mark, like, yeah like 52 50, grand 60s yeah. yeah and this thing factory yeah, big Brembo brakes. I'll put a. It's got a titanium catback exhaust system, a Stage One tune, and man, that thing is an amazing car. The, dude, the ride quality is awesome, um, and it's just got heaps of performance. It's an awesome car. So, are you continually tweaking those cars, Matt, or they're they're perfect now as they are? They're done. The Megane is sort of done where it is. The Clear, I'm starting to sort of strip stuff out of it because that's sort of. Yeah, I've put that on because um, Bilstein make a coilover pack for that car, so I've chucked that in it and, um, yeah, started stripping the interior out because essentially okay. um, there's a company in the UK, um, K-Tech, they do like full bolt-in half cage. Um, so the plan is to eventually just set that up as a little track track sort of thing. That's the that's the ultimate goal okay. for it. So that's for the Clio. So you have, have you done track cars in the Renaults or you just drive them on the on the great roads near where you live? Just drive them, bud. Yeah. Just drive them. Okay, so let's keep going on because I want to get into the Porsche. So what's this? Uh, and I'll let the listeners know, actually. Go to Matt's Instagram. It's at MD, 
996, MD996. Have a look at his cars. He's got the Renaults on there, uh, the Porsches on there. And the other one, the Volvo. What is this Volvo <laughs> wagon? So you got rid of one Volvo wagon and you, and you decided, I need another one? Is that what happened? I mean, this is a, this is a classic one, though. It's a very cool shape. It is. It's a 240. Um, yeah, but we, when I was younger, we had um, two Volvo 240 wagons because, man, they're cheap, super reliable, cheap yep. to run. Um, but what's funny is as a young as a young kid, like they were super daggy looking cars. Like you get dropped off dropped off at school in a Volvo yeah. wagon. You're like, yeah, it wasn't cool. Like, no, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't cool, cool at, all. at all. No, they've become but, cool. They've become cool, but it wasn't cool then. Mate, the cult following that these things have, and once again, just late night, yeah, car sales and um the guy I bought that side unseen as well, which I was a bit sort of it was a funny situation because um, that was in Sydney as well. And, yeah, the, the guy bought it off. Yeah, he put those rims on it and it just looked really nice and he was I a wanna, motivated set. I, I want to ask you, just before you go on, I want to ask you about those rims because I looked at those rims and I thought they look very Porsche-style rims, those rims. You know the ones I'm talking – the rims on that Volvo, that shape, because they look like they're in a grey colour, are they? They're painted they are. Like I, a, think they're, I think they're more like a uh, – you see them on like – uh, old 240Zs and stuff like the Japanese. Yeah. They reminded me, I was trying to think of the wheel before I came on to chat with you because I saw it on you. I had a look on your Instagram just again before I came online and I thought it reminds me of one of those Porsche wheels. It's got that gray and it's got, maybe it's just the color of it. But yeah, yeah. I, d- I yeah. do know the name of the rims, but I just, I can't think of it. Yeah. It's, it's more, it's like a mini light sort of things. You used to see yes, on a lot of minis. That's right. Mini light. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I saw this thing and it was relatively cheap, like 6200 bucks. And the guy was super motivated to sell it. He was like, dude, I'll drive it down. I'll drive it to you. And I'm like, well, dude, really? if you drive it down, it's going to make it from Sydney to um, – I caught the train up to Albury and rode okay. my mountain bike out to the airport and met him at the airport. So he literally pulled into the airport. Yeah, gave him the cash. He jumped on a plane back to Sydney and I <laughs> drove back to Mansfield. So he met you, met you at the border. Yeah, it was like, dude, if he if it makes it down, well, I guess it's that's your PPI right there. <laughs> so that was enough for you, I guess. When you're spending that much money, it's not like a huge deal, is it? I mean, because you know there's going to be certain things you have to fix. It's kind of yeah. like it comes to a price point where you think mm, it's probably okay. I mean, willing to take the risk and willing to take the risk. Yeah. yeah All right. Spent, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he'd spent a bunch of coin on it. He'd done a lot of stuff to it, and mate, it's touch wood. I just wanted a car that I could do change the oil myself and work on. Um, and, yeah, yeah it, it's a great old car. I do love it. And the kids love it too. It looks like it's in pretty good condition though from the images. It looks like it's in pretty good, pretty good nick. Yeah, she's a clean old girl for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you've got, you've got three cars in your garage. You've got the two Renaults, which are really good driver's, car, driver's cars. Then you've got the Volvo wagon, which is, you know, a cool, a cool ride. So what is it then? Are you still hankering for the 911? Are you still thinking about that Carrera that, that Shirley Strawn had? Are you still thinking about those cars you used to see on the street or the Matchbox cars? Why? Always. When does the Porsche... So have you always been... You kept looking for Porsche for sale? Were you just waiting for one to come up at the right price? How did it, how did it happen and what were you searching for when you first started searching for a 911? Alrighty, so obviously I've always wanted a Porsche. And yeah, sort of... As a teenager and that, I'd be out because my dad's always been a car guy as well. And, yeah, we'd always see different Porsches or Ferraris or whatnot and always point them out and whatnot. So, yeah, the desire to have one has always been there. But I've I've never actively looked because 
of the cost. Like I, it just seemed unobtainable. I was like, well, yeah, I'm not at that point yet. Yeah. Um, but so we moved to Mansfield. We're here for 12 months and I'm in town one morning and, yes, yeah, these beautiful, um, yeah, 996 Turbo. And, like, okay. I, knew the Porsche, I knew the Porsche range, but I didn't – I wasn't that well-versed in all the generations and whatnot. But I knew – as soon as I saw it, I knew that it was a 911 Turbo and I knew that it was sort of early to mid-2000s. Okay. And so I'm standing there looking at this, this car and, and this um, lovely gentleman comes up and, yeah, the owner, and he's like, oh, you're looking at my car and we start talking. And craziest thing, it turns out he lives – like probably 800 metres up the road from our house because we're on sort of like eight, ten acre blocks. So, I mean, it's a, yeah, you don't see your neighbours that often. Yeah. And, yeah, Rob, this guy I meet, he's got a whole collection of Porsches. Oh, really? So we start hanging out and talking and, um, and yeah, obviously I get to find that he has this 996 Carrera, this C2, um, which is the one that I bought. And it's crazy. So I've, I've known of the 911 that I bought for like three years. Um, we would go out on Sunday drives. I'd take like one of the Renaults and he'd be in one of his Porsches quite often. He'd be in the 911 that I, that I ended up buying off him. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess once I sort of got talking with Rob, he sort of, yeah, I started to learn the different generations, your 996, your 997 and whatnot. And yeah, started having a look and seeing that the 996s were pretty cheap, I suppose. Yeah. Well, cheaper than what i thought they than what i thought they were um so you met rob you go to do you go to his you go to his house and you see the cars he has i mean you don't just tell everyone for sure so you see the cars he has so you he's got a pretty good collection as he's got a dozen of a handful of porsches look at, at that point in time he had a he buys and sells cars all the time but he had he had that 996 turbo he had a i think it was like a 2014 cayman s um okay. he had the 996 uh, Carrera that I bought and he had a, it was like an 80, at a guess, an 84, 928. Okay. So you weren't really, what, so, okay, you run into him in the street, you're at the shops. Were you actively looking then for a 911 or that, that wasn't happened? So you meet up with Rob. No. How do you, does he say, hey, I've got this car for sale, do you want to buy it? Or was there a bit of time between that where he, he wasn't really selling it then, but then he... He said, "Hey, I'm going to sell one of my 911s." So that that Carrera was never actually for sale. So we okay. started hanging out, and we'd go on drives and whatnot, and we're always talking. And it's funny. It turns out not to go into it too in too in too much depth, but it turns out he owns a company in China and um, does aerosol packaging and whatnot. And the business I started five years ago, we Oh, okay. do similar things we have aerosol uh, some of our products are in aerosols and whatnot so we're always talking cars yeah i checked i checked out your link actually when you sent me i checked out your business link. yeah so we so we'd be always talking cars and business and whatnot and yeah i just said to him i said dude when you i'm not ready to buy it yet but when you want to sell that um arena red 911 and i was sort of just taking the piss a little bit but i was sort of setting myself that goal as well i'm like yeah, yeah when you want to sell it dude let me know because, um, yeah, I'm going to set the goal of, of buying that off you for sure because like we were talking about before, that car, um, yeah, has the X51 engine option. Yeah, let's get into that. Let's let's tell the listeners what you bought. Um, but I just want to say, so this this is what's great about 
this is what's great about Porsche ownership and the Porsche community. I think exactly what you said, you know what I mean, which I've mentioned before in previous podcasts. It's about the story. Do you know what I mean? For I sure. mean, the story that you have that you, you know, you hadn't met this guy before. You met him in the street where you live. He lives nearby. He has a Porsche collection. You eventually <laughs> buy one of his 911s. You know what I mean? And that story is a story that you have, but that's a story that the next owner will have if you ever sell this car. And I think that's For what's sure. great about Porsche. It's that, it's that story that, that, that gets you in. Do you know what I mean? It really does get you in. So, you, you know, you're going to buy this car off Rob. You know he's a, he's a Porsche enthusiast. He's a Porsche, you know, he's got a few Porsches. Do you go through the – I want to get into the fact that when you buy it, do you go through the normal process of getting checks on it or you just skip that? But before that, just tell the listeners exactly what you bought, um, the color, which you've mentioned before, but uh, exactly what you bought, the year, and if it, there was any options on the car that you know of that came fa- factory from, the, from Porsche. Yeah, so it's a, it's a 1999 Carrera yeah, C2 um, yeah, in arena red. And yeah, the key option that it has is that that X fifty one engine option, which is, from what you read, is a very rare, um, a very rare option. And there's interesting stories about that the that three point four X fifty one engine was developed alongside the the Metzger engine and this and that. It was a backup a backup design if the if the Metzger mechanically failed or didn't meet regulations and whatnot. There's all sorts of debates on the internet, but. It is interesting. It does, it does sort of address some issues that that three point four uh, liter engine had, like heating. So this thing's got an extra radiator in the middle of the bumper. Um, it's got extra oil lines that feed okay. cylinder four and six and whatnot, which were typically the bore scoring um, situation. So it was a, a more developed engine for sure. So. Th- the X51 package is, is, is a huge option to have on a car. To find a 996 with an X51 is very rare. I did see one that came up on car sales. I think it was in blue. And I think it had more spoked wheels. And it wasn't that long ago. But I haven't yeah. seen hardly. And it was a high mileage one. It was a very high mileage one. But I think, is the X51 about 30, 30 odd horsepower more, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. I think, and I believe, it, I believe it was over... I believe it was over like 20 grand because it literally the thing has a gt3 intake plenum um yes. different cams different valves um different sump different headers like it's yeah then the extra radiator extra oil lines it's a pretty significant um it yeah, it really made it, Matt, though, sorry to interrupt, it really made it very close to that 996 GT3 experience, didn't it? And I think it's interesting For what sure. you said, and I didn't realize that it was being developed at the same time. It was like a backup or whatever you said. Um, but the fact that it was it was an expensive option, you know, 20 grand at the time for, for an engine upgrade, most people would have opted out of it. Most people didn't take it up. Um, sure. Do you know the numbers of that? Do you know the numbers of how many people have it? How many X51s were delivered into Australia? I think I saw a Turbo 996 with an X51 package. Do they have them on turbos or not? Am I, am I, I getting so. confused? No, yeah. I think so. But I would think, I would think it would be a, a very limited number. Um, yeah, because man, this car, I've got the original, this car was sold um, from the Porsche Centre in Melbourne. That's where it was originally delivered. And they actually, which is, it's an interesting story. I'm actually going to go there soon and, and see what history they have on the car because the first in the manual, you know how it's got like, yeah, you document the, when you look in the front of the manual, yep. it's got the list of the names of each owner. I'm yep. like the fourth owner. 
Um, but the first owner was actually the Porsche Centre in Melbourne. They spec'd the oh, car and okay. bought it. So I think it must have been like a press car or something. Yeah, which is why it's probably spec'd with the X51. So it was one of the exactly. one of the dealer cars. Did they, exactly. did, did, they, did they have, have you got the option codes? Is a sticker still on the underneath yeah, the bonnet yeah, yeah, or yeah, in the book? So you know what other main options it had? Was there anything else that was a little bit rare for had, the time? All it really had was, yeah, it had the X51 and then the rims, because it's got aftermarket rims on it, which I'm literally just about to change back tomorrow. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was factory spec with 18-inch turbo twist rims. Um, but that's about okay. all. Other than that, option-wise, it's... I think that... Wasn't Arena Red? I mean, Arena Red. I like the color of your car, and I didn't realize it was Arena Red. Um, and it reminds me of. And I had this conversation with Dan in Brisbane, who has the um, nine four four, and his is in Garnet Red. And the Garnet yeah. Red seems to be very similar to the Arena Red. And I thought it was a similar color. And Arena Red was the hero color on the nine nine three, wasn't it? I think nine nine three was the one that in all those ads. It was the one I know Steve yeah. always talks about. It. I think it was nine nine three. There is something about, and I don't know what it is with the 996. I see certain colors. Um, James at Porsche Platz had the white 98 Carrera that he had a picture of on his Instagram. And I thought for some reason, white in 996s looks great. And they don't really, there wasn't many people who were specking basic Carreras in white. And there's something about that color of yours as well, which just suits the shape. Uh, especially when you did that, you know, the whole detailing thing, which I want to talk about as well. Um, and it was all like, yeah, you know, yeah. amazing. It looked like brand new. It's an amazing, amazing color. So the listeners should just just check out Matt's um, Instagram while we're talking because it really does look fantastic. So, okay, so you go, you get this from um, Bob, isn't it? Is it Bob? Rob. Rob. <laughs> Rob. You get it from Rob. Um, but I must so say, do, just, if I can, just if I can cut in there for a second, in that process of sort of planning to buy the car, I'd sort of stumbled across um, Porsche called, uh, yeah, upon the podcast <laughs> okay. and obviously started, yeah, while I'm at work, start listening to the podcast and come across the owner stories. And, mate, seriously, listening to the owner stories, I was like, I'm fucking buying that car, man. I'm so like blame, hearing everyone. You're blaming me then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hearing hearing all the stories and of people buying them, I'm like, dude, this is yeah, it's a sign for sure. <laughs> yeah, and as I say to everyone, you know, as soon as I've had someone on owner stories, I get off and I start searching, you know, car sales in Australia or Auto Trader in the UK, and I'm looking at prices of you know nine two fours and nine four fours, and yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So it's 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 very addictive. It, it really is once you start hearing people's stories. So you got this car though. So you you buy. Do you do any? Do you bother to do a PPI? Do you bother to do any checks? Um, what's the process you get since you're buying it from someone who's now become a friend? So the situation, Rob had owned the car for five years. He had receipts for about 20 grand um, within that five years, just all stuff that needed to be done, like all the bushes, um, yep. wheel bearings, uh, new clutch, uh, IMS. The IMS yep. was perfectly fine. They just changed it out, just, just what you do. Um, I mean, the car, it honestly drives like brand new. It's so tight and so firm. It's only got 100,000 Ks on it. It's got 102,000 Ks on it. Wow, that's low. That's low yeah, for he, 99. Yeah, he he didn't drive it a lot, but he's a meticulous owner, man. He spent um he spent a fortune on it. And he he got all the original receipts from the Porsche Center in Melbourne. And I mean the thing was, I don't know how much they were new, but this thing was 218 grand um when it was sold. Wow, that's that's quite a lot. Absolutely. That seems quite a lot. I'm just looking at your car now. So okay, so you get it you get it from Rob. You decide to do the deal. Um, it had these aftermarket wheels on. 
um, had was had it been had was there anything else that had been added to the car? Was it just those aftermarket wheels or anything else? It's, it's funny, mate. It's um, ultimately I wanted a stock car. Like I'm, yep. when I'm buying something like that, I want it completely stock. And and look, the car's never been messed with. It, it, I mean, look, it does have it does have uh, it sort of has, I guess. It does, it's got a fab speed um, carbon intake. Oh, okay. And it's got a fab speed exhaust system. Okay, so it, um, it has a few modifications. But let's just go back. Sorry, I'm jumping forward here a bit. Let's just go back. You, you do the deal with Rob. You decide to do the car. The price is right. You're thinking about, you know, that Carrera that you saw all those years ago and you drive it from Rob's to your place. How's that feeling when you first get in it and you realize you've, you now own a 911? I mean, yeah, you just, it's just insane. You're just like... Um, <laughs> yeah, you're just like, what the hell, man? What have you done? Like, look at this shit. You're driving a 911. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? It's a bit like you, you kind of are lost for words. I have to say you're a bit lost for words. But seriously, I've, I've, I've had it for a couple, like I've only owned the thing probably not even three months. Yeah. And it's still surreal. Like it's actually in Melbourne at the moment because I'm picking it up tomorrow. It's just had that paint correction done uh, at at Dan's garage, if anyone's in, in Melbourne looking for a killer job done. Um, and yeah, Dan would send me photos when he finished and I'm looking at flicking through the photos, looking at this 911 and it just doesn't even feel like it's my car. I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful car. I wonder who owns it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, um, those pictures actually, we'll just talk about that quickly. The pictures that you sent me, it had the paint correction and ceramic coating. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I thought you did it yourself. I, I don't know why I was thinking that. I think because I'm, Steve's I'm not, been talking about talented. doing it himself. I wouldn't do it myself either. I get someone <laughs> to do it. I'm happy to wash the car, but I don't want to spend that much time. Um, no. It looks fantastic. Like that, the, the arena red paintwork has come up beautifully. It looks really, Absolutely. really cool. So you said that you want to um, – so the modifications that the car had, when you bought it, you were happy with those modifications. You weren't fussed by them. It didn't sort of deter you from buying it. That You knew it had the fab speed – you knew it was an aftermarket wheels. Aftermarket wheels, you can always change. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit. I'm a more of a fan of an OEM wheel. I like. It doesn't have for to sure. be the right, the right wheel for the for the generation necessarily. But I'm I'm a fan of OEM wheels. Me too, bud. Uh, absolutely. So you you said you're you're looking at wheels now. Is that the first thing? That's, is that going to happen very shortly? So you're going back to the original spec of the car? No, I got some. Um, yeah, the Gem One GT3 18 inch B, BBS rims. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they'll, I mean, because the car's obviously, yeah, that's another option that it, factory option. It had the um, GT3 aero kit. Yeah, because your car's got a wing, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's got the factory and the skirts and the, I think the bumper's a bit different. But um, it is funny. It's definitely worth noting in the respect that the, the fact that it had the X51 option was a big yes. motivator to pursue that, that car because I've got to be honest, I've really grown to love the color, but it's certainly not my first choice in color. Like I would have loved a, a white. Um, yeah, white would probably be my first first option. And um, yeah, not that the car is heavily modified, but yeah, I'm not massive on those rims. When I first saw it, I'm like, yeah, like it, I wasn't. Yeah, but like you said, they're things that can easily be changed. And that X51 option, it was too good a with the case that it's got and everything that's been done to it and the way it's been maintained, Absolutely. It, was, it was too good not to, not to, um, not to jump Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Because it's got low mileage. It's got low kilometers. It's got a good history. Porsche sent a 
in Melbourne obviously purchased it. I mean, when you're thinking about now with the, how it's got the Aero kit and it's got the X51, you know, it was almost like a GT3 alternative. Obviously, they wanted to put a car in there that was a little bit, you know, like a GT3, but not a GT3, I think. It seems that's what they were doing. For sure. Um, you know, the Aero kit looks great. The Aero kicks, you know, factory Aero kit looks fantastic. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit like that with wheels, like I said. And I, I almost walked away from my 997 because it had, you know, 20-inch Techard wheels on it, which was stupid yeah. because, you know, I just changed them out and now it's fine. Um, so the wheels that you bought, are you getting them, did they have, did you, you bought them used, obviously, did they have to be refurbished? Were they in good condition? No, they're, they're fine. I literally only picked them up this afternoon, um, and just gave them a good wash. They're, they're great. They're 80%, 80% there. And yeah, I'll get them on the car tomorrow and, um, yeah, happy days because it is funny worth noting too, the, the rims that are on it are 19 inch. Um, yes. and it's got had, yeah, it's got two nine fives on the rear and, they do, when you're sort of getting stuck into it, heavy driving, they can scrub out a bit on the rear guards. And, yeah, that's just not cool for me at all. Right. So you're going back to stock wheel size, right? Yeah, So the 18s, tires will be yeah. the stock. Yeah, 18s and stock size. So have you worked out tyre-wise, tire, tire wise, you worked out what sort of tyres to get on it? Are you getting the what Porsche would have recommended at that period or are you just getting something else? Just the Michelin, the Pilot Sports for sure, yeah. Pilot I mean, Sport 2s. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the Renaults that I've had, Renault would always spec um, with Pilot Sports and I've always had Pilot Sports on all of them and, um, yeah. I wonder if you are going to notice the driving to be, the feel of the car to be completely different though, Matt, because I noticed when I when I changed from my 20-inch Techarts to my 19-inch Lobster Claws, it felt so much better. Like the ride was, sure. you know, the ride was still sporty, but it just felt so much better. And, you know, my rims were like maximum size. You could get into those wheel arches. There wasn't much room, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be far more compliant. And um, the 295s on the rear are, are really stretched on the rim. And I reckon the rear end feels a little bit wallowy, like the, the tire walls sort of rolling around a little bit because it just stretched a buggery on those rims. Like it's... Yeah, I think because Rob, yeah. it was like that when Rob bought it. So I think the previous owner um, had sort of pimped it out a little bit, I think, like put those bigger rims with these huge tyres and he put some crazy stereo system in it under the under the um, the front boot. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. got like a, it's got like a big amp and everything in it, which I'm going to get all taken out like um, – so you're going to get that removed. Are you tempted to go down the – I mean, we're going to talk about – actually, things you want to do with the car. So, you know, like – Actually, I just want to go back to the sound and I want to come back to the, the PCM unit and things like that. The sound of the car, the fab speed. And I've heard, I know other people have put fab speed on their 996s. I've spoken, I can't remember who it was, but I have spoken to other people who've added fab speed. Are you happy with that sound? Is it a nice sound inside the cabin? Yeah. Because yeah, the thing, know, there's a lot of other exhaust you can get for the 996, but will you keep that one on? For sure. The thing, yeah, I've only sort of driven it up here on country roads and I took it to Melbourne last week when I was dropping it off. Um, at Dan's and driving in traffic, man, the thing's loud. Like it's super loud, but it sounds amazing. Um, yeah, everything about it, cause it's on, um, it's got a uh, fully adjustable height and damp, damping um, Bilstein coilovers on it as well. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good to go. I just want to get these 18s on it and then happy days. That's good. That that's a good that's a good um, option. They're good options, though. They're good aftermarket mods. You know what I mean? For like sure. The Bilsteins are great. They're quite new, are they? They were. They're not. They're 
they're no, in good they're, condition. Yeah, they're, they're new in the respect that the thing obviously needed needed new shocks. I mean, why would you just put the stock? I mean, Bilstein make it essentially a kit for that that car. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I would have put in it anyway. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's tastefully done that side of it. You've got the good shocks. You've got the good. I mean, I think the Fab Speed's a great exhaust. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Fab Speed's not a cheap exhaust. I would, you know, I went the cheaper option with the with the Fista. Yeah. Um, but the Fab Speed is a great exhaust. Um, now this this stereo system, you know, we all know that the 996, and I'm waiting for it to come out on the 997, has the PCCM Plus or whatever it is, the one that Porsche is doing, where it you know replaces yeah. the original unit. Is that something you're interested in when you rip out this uh, this boombox that the guys put in, or are you just going <laughs> to put stock back in the original one? Probably just the stock. I mean, those retrofit ones from Porsche seem pretty cool, but they're like four grand. Um, and your air conditioning vents change in those too. I didn't realize. Someone told me that the other day. When you get that, it's the air conditioning vents at the top have to change as well at the same time. I don't know if that was true, but someone told yeah, me that. Okay. Yeah, look, I definitely, I'll probably, probably just leave the head unit that's in there. I mean, I never have the stereo on anyway. I'll probably just leave it in there just to fill the gap and, um, it's funny. It's like a, it's like the first generation sat nav and stuff like the sat nav does work, but yes, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've left, I've left the original one in mind. I've never changed it. I mean, Steve in his GT3, he changed it to a, you know, a CarPlay unit, um, yeah. you know, aftermarket CarPlay unit. And I know a lot of people do that. I've just left my, you know, Volcano Grey, you know, original 997 unit in mind and I'm just sort of dealing with it. I, I possibly would get the Porsche one if it wasn't, if it was better and you know yeah which it is better but if it wasn't so expensive but i know like you said four thousand is quite a big price when you can it's get crazy. other units for like 1200 yeah and i think for me when i'm in that car i couldn't give a fuck about car play or speaking to people it's like i'm in the car Good point yeah i'm, I'm in the car because i don't want to be yeah it's me time i don't want to be distracted i just want to drive and engage with the car for sure yeah, I'm the same. I don't turn on my PCM. I don't half the time. I don't have music on, and I don't use the sat nav no. anyway because I know my way around where I drive. So it's not like I need it. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> not really. And I'd rather have the window down a little bit so you can just hear the um, hear the engine. That's what's absolutely. so nice about it that you can actually hear that engine. So what it yeah, was planned for the. So what about the interior though? You've got a car that's only got a hundred thousand kilometers. Was the interior in good condition? Because we all know the seats in 996s tend to wear a bit. The plastics don't wear so well. How was the, uh, the interior? The interior is awesome. Um, seats are immaculate. It's even got – yeah, I'm not sure if the 997 had that on the um, passenger side uh, door sill. It's got like the little Porsche umbrella. Um, it has the spot for it. It was an option. Mine didn't come with it. I, I actually bought one. But that's okay. pretty cool. Yeah, no, this has still got the original Porsche umbrella in there and everything. Um, yeah, you can see it's been loved by each owner and Rob in particular, who I bought it off. He's he keeps his cars just immaculate because uh, he since he since I bought yeah in the last sort of six months he's got a a base model um, nine nine two Carrera. Okay, and he's got a nine eight one Boxster GTS. Um, okay. So he, so he literally sold all of his cars that he had previously and bought different ones. Exactly. And he, it's funny. Um, yeah, since I've had the Megane, he actually bought a, um, a Megane, a Red Bull edition Megane, um, similar to the one that I've got. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. You know, the umbrella you were talking about, just so you know, if that's the original umbrella, which is the one with the silver ring and it's leather, you can't actually buy that anymore. It's actually not available as a spare part. 
I'll have so to have a look. I've never, ta- I have never taken it out of the little leather case yeah. that it's in. Yeah, that's not available as a spare part anymore. They offer another umbrella, which is the one I bought, which is actually not as good. You can't actually get that one if you, yeah, if you okay. want to buy it. So it's actually a, a collectible. It's a collectible, Matt. No, but like the interior, the, the interior is super clean, man. Like it's, um, yeah, and I, dude, I'm anal about interiors. Like literally I'm still at the point where, and I'd like to think I'll be there for a little while. After every drive, I pull it into the factory, get the vacuum out, vacuum the... <laughs> Vacuum all the feet marks out of. I mean, that's probably a bit yeah, excessive, no. but yeah, I'm a bit <laughs> like that as well. Um, so the so the the gears in the the manual gear shift is it with the X51? Did that come with a short shifter kit? Do you think it was? Is it a shorter throw than the normal 996? Nah, no. It's I wouldn't say it's super short. Like it's um, I'm honestly still getting used to driving it because um, the Renaults are feel like a little toy you know the Renaults are I mean they're tight little gearboxes but the clutch is really light and it's a yeah light and playful car where this is super mechanical I mean man when when you're warming the thing up like yeah second gear it's hard like the gearbox is so notchy when it's cold um yeah that second gear is a is problematic isn't it that's the one thing I still haven't got used to it's like until everything's up to temp and you've driven it for a while that to get into second gear is is it's not easy it's the same (laughs) on my 997 it's really not easy in fact when I first got my car when I first got my car I thought it was a problem with the gearbox I thought it wasn't right until I started reading on Renlist and everyone said that just that's just how it is yeah some mornings you can barely get the get the gear in I remember yeah, the first time I took it out by myself because Rob dropped it off at the factory where I, um, where we have our factory in town, and yeah, he left and I got in it, and yeah, Emma, my wife, got in it, and yeah, took off and I pulled out onto the main road and sort of gave it a bit of, well, not gave it a bit of stick, but like up to sort of four grand in first, and then just fucking ground second. I was like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? <laughs> so how does it feel? Like you know that you've taken it for a drive on the on the twisty roads around where you live. How did it feel in in the 911? Because, you know, I always make that point about when I first drove my one to the Royal National Park in Sydney with Steve and how I really felt the transfer of weight. I really felt that you, you, you knew that the engine was in the back. You could hear it. You could feel the, the weight transfer. How was that experience after driving the Renaults so many times on similar roads? <clears throat> how did the 911 feel? Was it was it a weird experience in that in that respect? Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is scary. Yeah, it is a little bit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You just have this fear that it's going to fucking break out and you're going to be facing the other way in, at any point. And you have, to, you have to logically think about the thing's got two 95s on the rear, the engine's hanging over the back. Even yeah. though it feels sort of rear end heavy, it's not just going to snap and... No. Yeah, but you do... Because I've never driven anything like it. Like, I've ne- yeah, like I-, I said, it's only the... It's only the I've only ever driven one Porsche and it's the one that I've got. Um, and yeah, I'm still getting used to it. And I think it's going to, I think I want to do a track day in it, not to push it on the track, but just to be able to try and find the limits. I'm not going to attempt that on, on the roads around here. I mean, the last thing I want to do is. Yeah. To understand it, to understand the limitations. I mean, you're right. I mean, when I got my 997, I'm the same as you. I hadn't really driven a Porsche. I'd been in, I'd been in many, I've been in Steve's and I've been in Boxster's and, th- and so I knew the feeling of it and I knew the sound of it. But when you drive it, and other, other owners have said this as well, like at first you're a little bit, you're a bit scared because you don't know the limits. You know, you don't know the limit of the grip. I think that's what you were saying, you know, it's, it's that limit of the grip. 
And, you know, when I'm following Steve in his GT3, in his 997 GT3, and I remember the first couple of times, it was like, I don't know how he's taking those corners so quickly because I, I just wouldn't, and I know it's a GT3 and it's got, it's stickier, but it is also, you don't, you're so new to the car and new to 911s and new to Porsches that you just don't know when that back end is going to, you know, go out basically. And I think that's, it just takes time. I mean, I'm, I feel much more comfortable with the car now because I have, you know, more experience with it, but um, it is something that is in your mind when you first start driving it, that's for sure. Yeah, they're, they're a very different, yeah, there's such a unique car like there's well there's nothing like there's nothing like them and i mean for example the little renos i mean you can literally push and push and even when you get close to the edge you can feel it saying hey look we're getting close to the edge maybe just think about what you're doing and um yeah then never just going to break out and do anything crazy um and look the 996 probably wouldn't but i mean maybe it would like um but i guess that's part of the draw card just learning yeah learning to does the 996 feel a lot more powerful than the renos or not it's funny when i when i first got it i was obviously eager to sort of see what the performance was like because when i test drove it with rob in the car like i obviously didn't um take it out to the red line or whatnot and um and yeah at first i was a bit under not underwhelmed i just wasn't sure what to expect my expectations were all over the place and the mcgann goes quite well but from recently sort of jumping from car to car, yeah, the Porsche, it, it goes, yeah, it goes super well. Um, it's definitely quicker, definitely way quicker than the Megane. Um, and, yeah, that, that 3.4-litre engine in them, such a revy engine. Like, I didn't think it would be so rev happy. Like, it it revs right up to seven grand, no worries. Like, um, and sounds super comfortable up there as well. But is it a good combination? Is the nine is the nine nine six with the X fifty one and the Maganzi? You've got a really good combination there of cars to take for a, for a fun drive, for sure. Because they're all they're all so different. Um, when I got them again, I was sort of thinking, well, yeah, if it's the same, does the same job as the Clio, well, I'll get rid of one of them. But the Clio being naturally aspirated, the Megane being turbocharged, they're super different. Like the way they yeah. drive, where the power is. Um, so yeah, I really happy and fortunate to have the cars the humble collection that i do um and it's a nice collection yeah mate i just love them and the roads that we have up around here like um there's like two or three targa high country stages that we can drive so yeah we're going to get into that i want to get into the roads but i want to ask you one question because it's something that i'm not a fan of I'm not, not trying to upset you, but <laughs> the rear of your car, I'm looking at one of the images of you have on Instagram, and the rear is fantastic, and I see Flat Six Affair has commented on that one. Um, there's no Carrera badge. What's going on? You're yeah, not going to re-add that Carrera badge and take it back to, you know, telling people what you drive? Look, it's funny. The whole debadging thing, um, because both the little Renaults I debadged. I didn't debadge that 996. That's how it came. Okay. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that I've thought about. I mean, maybe I will. Maybe Because um, it does look a bit sort of, yeah, typically. I always think it needs it. I'm a little bit old-fashioned like this, I think, with 911s. I even think the new ones when people do badge it. I mean, the new ones have too many sort of names on the back. But I still think 996s, 997s, in my opinion, I think they look better when they've got either the 911 or the, or the Carrera, Carrera, you know, Carrera yeah. badge if they're a base. Yeah, one or the other. No, for sure. I think balances the back. I think you're under something. Balances right? the back, especially when you've got a wing. I think when the wing is well, because the height is quite high at the back. I don't know. Yeah. 
Something no, to look into. Something I, to look into. I think you're onto something. I'll, I'll keep that. Make notes. <laughs> so Matt, what else is planned? What else are you going to do to the 996? Is there anything that you've done this? You've done that great ceramic coat. You're about to get your car back and take it for a spirited drive and, and get the dirt on it and not have to worry about it. You're just going to hose it off and it'll be all perfect. What are but, the other mod? What are the other mods you're thinking about that you want to do to the car? You're going to change the wheels. That's going to be exciting. So you're going to have the GT3 Mark One wheels. It's got completely ceramic coated and paint corrected. What's next? Drive it, mate. Drive it. That's sort of um, <laughs> <laughs> literally. I haven't. I have these grand plans of, yeah. I want to go away um, down the coast and uh, come springtime. Want to go up over Mount Hotham, um, up near where where we live and um, down. Yeah, down to Omi on the coat. Literally just want to get out and enjoy the car. I really haven't had a – I've only sort of just driven it on some local roads from um, work back up home and, um, yeah, I want to go go away, like just get in the car and drive. Put some miles it. on it. Yeah, for sure, bud, for sure. Because you've only had it for three months, right? Three months Probably not even. Probably not even. Not probably even that. two months, I reckon. Wow. Yeah, I know it's it's still fresh and still new. You just want to. I mean, I'm I'm hankering to drive my car again. I can't tell you. I you thought I was going to get out. You, I thought you, I was going to get out earlier. I thought we were <laughs> going to get back in June, and then it was going to be like now. It's not like to October, and then by the time we get out of quarantine, it'll be end of October. So I'm like, as I said to Steve the other day, <clears throat> I don't care about miles anymore. I don't care about adding miles. I mean, I haven't uh, driven the car in two years. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do some long road trips. I'm gonna go down to Victoria. I'm gonna go to Queensland. I'm going to like, uh, you know, do some really ro- good road trips and do good roads in other states. That's what I want to do. So that's the for plan sure. for me. Yeah, for and me. That, that's that's exactly – it's the kind of car that you just want to, um, yeah, do a day of driving, go stay in some nice accommodation somewhere, go out for a nice meal, wake up the next morning and there she is, get in the car and do the same thing again. It's Yeah, um, yeah you just want to spend time in it and, and enjoy it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It, great fun. Great fun. So let's get on to that. Let's get on to the driving roads because we always like to, um, <clears throat> at the, at the end of, nearing the end of the podcast, we like to tell the other listeners around the world because we have a lot of people from the US and Europe and Canada and um, Portugal. Now what? Portugal. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah, we have yeah. a lot of people. Now, if they're coming to Australia and they're coming to Victoria, um, what are the roads you would suggest or what are the roads you want to take your 911 on that you think would, uh, the listeners would, would enjoy? So there's a couple of couple of key ones. I mean, probably the best roads closest to Melbourne, um, out the eastern suburbs. Like you go out through uh, Warburton, and it's yeah a road called the Reefton Spur. Takes okay. you from like East Warburton, East Warburton up to um, up near Lake Mountain, and then back down into Marysville. Um, right. Yeah, the Reefton Spur. That's cracking road. It's amazing. Okay. But then from there. Yeah, the high country of Victoria, like Mount Buller, uh, yeah, the Jamison Eildon Road. So from Jamison to Eildon, that's a Targa high country stage. Obviously, Mount Buller, the road up to Mount Buller is a Targa high country stage. And Mansfield Whitfield Road, that's a um, Targa stage as well. So these are all the roads you, you, you're yet to take the 911 on because you've only just got it. So that, that's no, what no, you're going to do. I have, obviously, I haven't, haven't done the Reefton Spur, but. Um, Mansfield Whitfield Road is like literally five minutes from our place and Mount Bull is like 25, 30 minutes from our place. Fantastic. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So I have yeah, done. You, you're, in a, you're in a good region, that's for sure. No, nah, it is. It's awesome, bud. And I have done, um, met a couple of other locals. There's a really strong Porsche community in Mansfield and um, 
a guy who owns a business across the road from our factory, he's got a 1980, um, 1980, I think, what's that, like an SC, 911 SC, is it? A little Targa? Could be an SC, yeah, yeah. Uh, and nice. yeah, we've, we've been on a couple of drives, done done Mount Buller a couple of times together. It's um, He drives the crap out of that thing, it's scary, but um, yeah, good times. So there's a there's a Porsche Club sort of chapter, or there's there's just like a cars and coffee that people sort of meet up and you and you you're starting to get into that and, and driving with these people. So there's a yeah there's a, a local car club, but there's just a lot of Porsches. It's not like a Porsche specific club, but there's a lot of a lot of guys up here with Porsche collections. Um, oh, that's good. And like some proper serious ones. Uh, there's a guy <laughs> that lives not too far from here. That's got like, um, yeah, two nine nine six GT twos sitting in a shed out in the middle of oh, nowhere. Really? Yeah, some proper, proper things that you would not expect to be seeing where they are. <laughs> right. These are probably all the people that are on Porsche forums Australia that have all the good cars that are always seem to be in Victoria. I always notice when they're on. I don't know if you go to Porsche forums Australia, but there seem to be quite a lot of people that have some good cars in Victoria. That's yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. 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 All right, Matt. We're almost at the end. Um, Anything else you'd like to share with the, the listeners about your, your 996 before we go? No, I reckon we've probably covered it all, bud. Um, just, yeah, love, love and meeting. Um, like you've always said, the community is such a great community. And, um, and yeah, what you guys do, man, um, yeah, love it. The podcast is fantastic. And, um, yeah, the owner stories is such a unique thing and it's just great every Tuesday. Or we get them Wednesday, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it comes. It's sort of one o'clock here in London. It always comes. Yeah, it's a bit. It's always Wednesday. Steve says as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's freaking awesome. Um, Thanks. Yeah, it's a good thing. So, yeah, just keep enjoying. That's uh, that's all the message should be. Keep enjoying and and keep driving. No, much appreciated. Much appreciated. I was going to say actually, the one question I didn't ask you: Are you are you a person that does the servicing on your nine nine six yourself, or you tend to take it to a specialist? Obviously, I haven't had it serviced yet, and I'm probably going to take it to Fitzgerald's. Um, okay. Because yep. I want to just Which make sure. Which apparently is really, really good. Yeah, yeah, I just want to. I just want to make sure that the spe- yeah the suspension's all set up how it should be, and um, I know they do a bunch of that stuff. But yes. I do want to get a a goal is to get a um, a hoist, a two post lift, and at least do the oil myself. Um, right. So, what service is it at? Uh, Matt, is it up to? Is it a major service you have to get done? Shit, I haven't even looked. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not crazy, crazy money though, really. What but I think you... what you're doing. I think what you're doing is the right thing though to take it to someone who is a specialist. I mean, Fitzgerald is obviously Fitzgerald Racing, and, and I know James at Porsche Platz has an association with them. Um, and you know, to get it checked and set up and and get it fully serviced, you know, and like you said, after that, maybe you change the oil yourself, but at least it's done yeah. properly first. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great way to go. Yeah. When you buy a car, you always need that base, that base starting point. Um, once you've taken ownership, so you know where everything's at. Um, but yeah. it is funny with Fitzgerald, uh, one of our, um, yeah, one of our suppliers, a guy that I've dealt with for sort of the last five years is literally in the factory next door to Fitzgerald's. So for the last five years, I go to Box Hill once every two weeks and, mate, the cars that are regularly there from McLaren 720Ss, yeah, 911 turbo track cars, like I'm always there just like, 
Temptation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Temptation. You go straight back onto car sales and see how much they cost. Oh, absolutely, uh, mate. Ne- that's what happens. That's what happens. It never stops. It never It never stops. The next box to tick would always be, um, yeah, 997 GT3 RS. Yeah, it's a good one. If you can get one, if you can afford one, that's I definitely know, mate, a, that's a great one. It's it, You know, I remember, you know, I saw that one in Porsche Sydney, Sydney South uh, in 20. 20, it must have been end of 2018 or 2019 and it was sitting there for a long time it was in the best color the gray with the red and yeah. like i said before it was sitting there at 379 and then it went down to 369 and i think it went down to 349 and you know it didn't really sell and at 349 for a 997.2 gt3 rs is just insane Crazy. now because you would not get one at that price i mean 996 gt3s there's a 996 i don't know whether you saw it there's a 996 gt3 on car sales at the moment and i think it's almost 300k yeah, that, is that the black one? But yeah, in the, the last black cu- in the last couple of months, that classic throttle shop is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. So they in had Sydney, that yeah. they had that speed yellow one that went for two ninety eight, and that yeah. black one, that literally sold with, within a week. That's already gone. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, that's crazy that they're hitting three hundred. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, dude, what a car though! If you had three hundred k, I would I would have bought it. <laughs> yeah, what a car. I should yeah. have bought them when they were 99,000. There was quite a few, a handful, but that was 2004, so that was a while ago. Um, all right, Matt, thanks for, um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for coming on um, Porsche Cool Donor Stories. I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad we uh, chatted today and you shared your story. I think it's a good one. I think the listeners are going to enjoy it. Yeah, much appreciated, bud. Much appreciated. No, that's great. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, uh, that was Matt coming in from uh, Victoria and Australia with his 1999 996 Carrera with the very, very rare X51 package. Uh, Arena Red. I actually quite like the color, Matt. As I said, I'm not a big red color. I'm not a big red fan either, but I think the Arena Red does really suit that shape, especially with the Aero Kit and everything. I think it looks great. All right, thanks, Matt. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Porsche School podcast. That's it for today. Bye for now.